If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to uh, Galatians once again. It's the last time you'll turn to Galatians for a while. We've been in this for eight weeks now. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I think it must be the harvest or something. I don't know what it is. I'm allergies this time of year, so I have deeper voice and uh, crud. That's why I've got a bottle, down, a bottle of water down here. Okay, um, we've been in Galatians now for eight weeks talking about uh, what Paul has been trying to teach us through the book of Galatians. Uh, Galatians tells us what Christianity, the gospel, is not. It's, uh, it's not about uh, morality. It's about Jesus. It's, it's not about being a good person. It's about being a transformed person. Uh, Paul says it's not about obligation. It's about transformation. It's not about man-made traditions. It's about Jesus. It's about God and his people being in a loving relationship with one another. And, and Paul has told us that to allow us to do that, God has given us some resources. The most important resource is his Holy Spirit, which lives in our life and empowers us to live life uh, in a way that uh, he says uh, that we have to be aware of because we're constantly, as we talked about the last two or three weeks, constantly we have this battle between what he calls the flesh and the spirit. Even those who are in Christ have this battle. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean all of a sudden the battle's over with, uh, that we have uh, a couple of options in our life. And today, as we conclude the series, we're going to be looking just at four verses of Scripture out of chapter 6 of Galatians, verses 7 through 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at that this morning, beginning with verse 7. We'll look at that in just a few moments. But uh, the basic principle that undergirds all this that Paul's talking about as we conclude with this morning is the uh, principle of sowing and reaping, of cause and effect. And we're going to be looking at that this morning. And as I was thinking about this, I was reminded a few years ago about uh, <clears throat> a friend of mine, not a few years ago, many years ago, uh, that when I was a kid, I had a friend of mine, I remember coming to me, and I still remember this because it was so strange. He came to me one day, and I knew that he uh, really liked soup. He liked canned soup. He liked tomato soup. And he, would, he came to me, and he said, you know, the coolest thing I found out, and this is, he was like six, and I don't know, I'm a, I was like seven. And uh, <clears throat> he said, you know, you can grow soup. And I'm going, you can grow soup. And he said, yeah, you can grow soup. My mom told me if, if I would put a, they had a little garden back, you know, in subdivision, not a big garden, a little garden in the back of the subdivision. She said, if you go out and plant this can of soup in a week, I guarantee you there'll be like a whole bunch of soup cans out there. And so he went out and he planted the can of soup because he loves soup. And, uh, and he said, oh, this is so cool. And so he went out and he planted the can of soup. And he said, and, and I, we all waited for a week, you know, and a week. And I said, he went out there and he dug up and he, guess what he found? Bunches of cans of soup out there in the yard. Of course, his mom had gone out and planted the soup in the yard. To, you know, I'm not sure what she was trying to teach him at the, the part, but she did understand one concept that's true, that you, you do, you know, what, whatever you sow is what you reap. He didn't think, you know, if I plant a soup, I'm going to get a bike, or, you know, if I plant soup, I'm going to get something else. He said, you know, plant soup, you get soup. That's what you're going to do. That was just a strange illustration, I know. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> But it's, it's, it's a principle that we're talking about here. It's a correlation between cause and effect that Paul's talking about. He says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The first thing Paul says here is, do not be deceived. And why does he say that? We talked about last week, you know, if we were here last week, the verses right before that in Galatians excuse me, that talked about the whole thing of if someone is caught in sin, carry each other's burdens, so forth and so on. The week before that, we talked about the difference between the flesh and the spirit. The, the acts of the flesh is this, and the acts of the spirit is this. But here he's talking about this whole thing of, he starts off in verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And what I believe he's talking about in looking at Scripture 
is that even for those of us who are Christians and persons who are not Christians, yes, they're deceived, but even Christians can be self-deceived. We can think in our lives that, you know, if I, if I sow from, there's two buckets up here this morning. There's kind of, the, this is the nice one. It's got color in it. This, we'll call this the, the spirit bucket up here this morning. There's a spirit basket, okay? And over here we call this, and this is a little nastier. Yeah, it's got the good stuff here. Um, you know, and this is, we'll call this the flesh basket, okay, this morning. If I don't get it messed up, just ignore me and just keep going. You'll understand. But the issue is, is that we get a choice in our life of either sowing seed from the flesh or sowing seed from the spirit. We have those two options in our life, even when we become a believer. And it's easy sometimes to deceive ourselves as persons to think, well, you know, if I sow from this basket, if I pull some seed from this basket and I just sow from this basket, the thing is, it's not going to reap a harvest because it doesn't happen. The reason that we think that is because sometimes or most of the time it doesn't happen immediately, right? We may do something and we don't see the effects right away. And so the thing is, is that we think, well, you know, it's, it's, you know that's not really that bad. And we become self-deceived, is what Paul said. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. But you know what Revelation calls, calls Satan? One of the names of Satan he calls it in Revelation. He calls him the great deceiver. The great deceiver. And so the issue is, is see, Satan is constantly telling, telling us, hey, you know, it's all right for you as a Christian to pull out of this basket. Just go ahead and pull it out. Do whatever. Do anything you want. It's not going to be any consequences to it. You know, he says, Paul says, we can be deceived. We can mock, we can deceive ourselves. But then he says, a man reaps what he sows. You know, I I was this week and I was was thinking about that and going through stuff. I read constantly, uh, all the time. And one of the things I started reading recently uh, is uh, I get a newspaper actually on my iPad now called The Daily which is kind of a cool newspaper, and it has a lot of video, visual things and things like that. And, and one of the articles I was reading in the Daily this week was an article about uh, people in the world and how poverty is and things like that. Pull up the next slide there. And it's, uh, it showed this kind of percent of people in the world at different poverty levels. And I was reading that. I don't know if you can see it very well. It's kind of fuzzy, right? But I'm sorry. It's about as best it'll, it'll do. Um, but the amazing thing about it is, and this this was actually the poverty line, and shows how many people, and this is how much they they... Uh, how many p- people are, are in a poverty line. And basically this, a huge number of people in the world, you already heard this before, I've shared this before, a huge number of people in the world actually live, live on less than $2 a day. $2 a day. Okay? And there's a lot of people on that line that live below there. I'm talking about almost half. There's 7 billion people in the world now, and almost half of those people live at $2 a day or less. And I'm going like, you know, does that say anything to you as a Christian? Does that say anything any, anything we're supposed to be aware of when you read that? And then I read another article. Go to the next slide. <clears throat> this is how much people spend on Halloween. Uh, this was interesting. Um, I didn't have a clue this was true. But you know what, uh, how much people spend this year on Halloween in America? This is America. America only. Estimated $6.9 billion on Halloween. We spend $2 billion on candy, $1.88 billion on decorations, $1.2 billion on adult costumes, $1 billion on child costumes. I guess the adult costumes cost more. Is that the deal? I don't know. Uh, Greeting cards, 470 million, and pet costumes, we spend 310 million dollars. I was blown away. I'm going like, 
dude. Okay, so that's that is that is you know almost seven billion dollars that we'll spend frivolously. Can I just say that on a on a on a on a, on a kind of a questionable holiday? Okay. While the world, I mean, we're spending more money on that, on that. We could, we could actually support the world and double the world's income for at least a day on what we spend on Halloween. Just on silly stuff. Pet costumes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, you know, if you got a pet costume, you know, bless you, but, uh, all I can say, you know, all I can say is that, you know, is, is there something wrong there? Is there something wrong? Are we deceiving ourselves that when we, we, we have that kind of resources and we can throw it away frivolously like that and we, and we go around and we know that the world is a certain way. Now we can't solve every problem in the world, folks, but every, every spending decision, this is what we've been going through in financial peace, every spending decision is a, is a spiritual decision. Not just what we give to the church. And so the thing is, is that, you know, we, 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 we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. You know, uh, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. <laughs> you know, no wonder, uh, you know, the rest of the world doesn't like America too much. <laughs> and then he says this in verse 8. He says this. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. He says we have a choice. We have a choice. If we, if we sow, if we sow from this basket over here, if we take the seed of this basket and do the things of the flesh, the sinful nature, he says we will get exactly that. I mean, you're gonna, you're not gonna sow things from the flesh, from the sinful nature, and, and it's not, it's not gonna, ha- it's gonna have an effect on your life in a negative way. And it may not be now, but it will be down the road. And he says in the same way when we sow, sow from this basket and we grab the seed from this basket and sow from this one, he says there will be effects from this. But guess what? It's not always immediate. And that's the problem sometime for us. We're going to talk about that more today as we think about um, what he's talking about here. You know, I found that it's been true that... <clears throat> That we're, we're deceived so often to think that if you sow from your sinful nature, nothing will happen. And when, when something happens sometimes, when we sow from our sinful nature, sometimes people are shocked when they actually, the harvest comes. Uh, let me just give you an example of that. <clears throat> I will never forget, and this has happened more than once, but I'll never forget a few years ago. Uh, a woman called me. A woman called me and, and she went to the church that I was pastor of. She calls me and she tells me and she's frantic and she calls me and she says, Pastor, Pastor. She goes, she says, my husband called from work and he says he wants a divorce and he's not even going to come home from work anymore. And I don't understand how this happened because, because he's a Christian and I'm a Christian. And, and I didn't see it coming. Where did it come from? And so I get on the phone and I call the guy, get in touch with him. I knew him well. And I said, hey, can you come back and we talk about this? He said, sure. And he comes by and we sit down. We sit down and, and we talk about it. And I said, I said, I just got this call from your wife. And she said, Did you, you're, you want a divorce? Didn't see it coming. They, they've been married like 15 years. Two kids. And, and, he, and, and he said, yeah, that's true. He said, 
he said, I said, what's going on? He said, Pastor, you don't understand. Every day, for the last 10 years, it wasn't this way at first, but for the last 10 years, every day when I come home, it's nothing but nagging and angry, bitter, and it's always, I never do anything right. And he says, I'm tired of it. I just give up. I can't, I can't please her. And you see, when I first heard a call from her, she didn't say any of that. But for years and years and years and years, she had been reaching into this bucket right here and pulling out the scent of nagging and anger and bitterness, thinking that, oh, he's a Christian. It'll be all right. Everything will be fine. But there came a point in time when the harvest came. And the harvest was not something that she wanted or he wanted. You see, people, Paul says that people who think this way, that think that you can, you can, sow, you can sow from this bucket and there's not going to be a harvest, and it's not the harvest you want, if you think it's not going to affect you, he says you're deceived. You're deceived. And he says, if you think you can keep on indulging the flesh and think nothing, nothing will happen, you're deceived. You know, it's like, well, I don't know how I got obese, you know. Well, maybe you were sowing the seeds of lack of self-control. Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how I got in debt. Maybe you were sowing the seed of greed in your life. I, I don't know how I got so lonely. Nobody wants to be around me. Well, maybe you were sowing the seed of pride or, or gossip or bitterness in your life. And no one wants to be around you because of that. And for a while, you can be clueless about the effects of this because that doesn't always come right then. You know, I know I'll look around, there's some, there's, uh, there's some, uh, uh, farmers in here. You know, you guys, when you plant seed, the first day, you do expect it to pop up overnight. It'd be great, great. You know, it'd be great if you planted the seed and it would pop up overnight. But no, farmers, all of us know that when you sow something, you sow the seed, the harvest is going to come down the road somewhere. Well, we know it's going to come. It may not be a great harvest. It might be a poor harvest. But the thing is, it's going to come. That's the anticipation. But Paul's saying, you know, we can sow seeds out of the basket of, 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 of the flesh, out of, out of sin. And he says the thing is, is that we are deceived if we think it's not going to affect us. And going to affect us in a negative way. Something that we would never want in our life. But he says we can be deceived. And while you may be clueless at first, because at first nothing changes, when the harvest comes, suddenly everything changes. Everything dies. Your marriage dies. Your, your friendships die. No one wants to talk to you. They won't return your emails anymore, your phone calls, because you've sown death and no one wants to be with you. I will never forget. I just, I, I, a good thing. You know, the, the best illustrations are sitting right here, but I can't say it because you know each other. So I'm going to tell you about you, okay? So I'll tell you about churches years ago, okay? But this is the easy one. I was thinking about this. I'm going like, I was thinking years ago about this lady. The first church I was in out of seminary, I was a, I was a, I was the youth and uh, discipleship pastor. And, and, and there I met the woman who I would consider probably the least pleasant woman in the history of the world. <laughs> really. I mean, she was just, she was just always just angry and bitter. And she was in her 50s at the time, never been married, wasn't a, you know, I, I understood why. 
But the issue was is that she could turn, and it was like when she came towards you, you could see the kind of it was like the Red Sea parting when she walked through someplace because no one wanted to be around the woman, really. It was like she was, you know, those, those, those broadcast spreaders, and you go around and you turn it around and it's throwing seed everywhere. I mean, that's what she was doing. She was throwing like seeds of all kind of stuff, negative stuff, everywhere she went around her, and she was that way. And I decided, you know, I was a young pastor, and I decided I was going to try to encourage her. Did I learn my lesson? Um, anyway, I, I decided I was going to be nice to her. I was going to, you know, try to love her and, and be nice to her. And, and I went to her one time, and, and, you know, and this is this lady, and she was walking down the hall, and everybody else was cleared out the space. And, and I sat down, and I was talking to her, and, you know, and I, and I made the mistake, first of all, and said, how was your day? And she told me, you know, complained about everything. And I said, well, you know, I said, and this lady was a school teacher, by the way, <clears throat> Poor kids. Um, but the issue is, the issue is, is that, is, 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 is I said, you know, I said, uh, I said, uh, uh, it was like in, in May, you know, the time that all school teachers think it's the greatest time of year because, you know, June, July is coming and, uh, you get some time off. I said, what are you doing this summer? Are you taking a vacation? And she says, no, I don't think so. I don't know where to go. And I said, well, let me tell you a place that we go to. We got really love it. It's like a, there's a place down at the, down at the lake down here. It's pretty cheap. It's, uh, it's really nice to get away. She said, well, why do you like to go there? That's kind of her attitude. Why do you like to go there? Well, because when I go there, I can rest, get away from everything else. And she says, I probably wouldn't like that. And I said, why? Because she says, because I'm not lazy like you. Exact words, quote. I'll never forget that. You don't forget stuff like that, you know? But she was always complaining because nobody would hang out with her. You understand why she was sowing these seeds? She was just throwing seeds everywhere. Now, it's an extreme case. I know that. But the issue is, Paul says, if you throw this seed, this seed of the flesh, you will reap the harvest of that. And you will never get the harvest of love, joy, peace, patience. Go back to chapter 5 and read the fruit of the Spirit. You will never get those things in your life. You won't get those things in your life out of this bucket by sowing this seed. So let me say to you this. I mean, if you're sowing this seed, if you're a single guy and you hope to have a good relationship in marriage someday and have a, you know that, but you're sowing the seeds of, of premarital sex, Pornography, all those things. Let me explain something to you. That will affect you down the road. It will. You're sowing seeds for the future that will affect future relationships and attitudes towards us. And if you're married and you think that, that nagging and talking about your spouse in negative ways is all right, then you're sowing seeds that only leads to destruction. Parents, if you, if, if you think that, uh, that, that you don't want to discipline your kids because you're more, what's more important is you be their best friend. And if you think you being your best friend means I can't discipline them, can't be a parent as well. And you think it's not going to be anything, you're sowing some seeds that down the road is going to lead to some problems, some destruction. Paul is saying to us simply, there is cause and effect. Always. Always. And the choices that we make. So what Paul says to do, okay, that being the case, so 
What we need to do instead is by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, what we need to do is we need to go to this other bucket. And we need to begin to sow seeds from this. And as we sow seeds from this bucket, the thing is love, joy, peace, patience, doing all those things. Instead of, instead of sowing, uh, I sow love instead of anger. I sow joy instead of whining and complaining. Forgiveness instead of bitterness. Uh, patience instead of impatience. And we have to ask ourselves the question as we sow from this bucket, am I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which Paul has talked about throughout the whole chapter, a whole book of Galatians, that's how God empowers us to live the life that he wants us to live, Am I going to trust that God is not lying to me? That, it, that at some point there will be a harvest if I continue to sow from here? Because the deal is this, and, and let's just be honest. I, you know, I think it's important to be honest, right? The deal is this. It is frustrating sometimes to be a Christian because we want the harvest the same day we sow. And we anticipate that when it doesn't work immediately in our life, that it's, that, that, that it's, that it's not going to work, period. I mean, I read my Bible for a month or a week, and, and it's not working. Or, or, or I prayed, and it didn't work. Or I obeyed God, and it didn't work. You know, is it not working, or is it not time? That's the issue because we live, we live in this place where we want, we, we don't believe in delayed gratification. We really don't. We want something and, and we think, you know, we live in a culture where right now, literally, you can almost buy, if you've got enough money, you can buy almost anything almost instantly in our culture. You can have it today. But scripture says, so, Wait, and then harvest eventually. It's not instantaneous. And this is what he says in verse 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. <laughs> you know what that means, what Paul's saying? It means that I love my neighbor who is, who is a jerk, and I love them, and I love them, and I love them, as long as it takes. And maybe I will not see the harvest, them reciprocating, even this side of heaven. But he says, what I'm to do as a believer, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is to trust in God and continue to sow from this, from the bucket of the Spirit. But we don't live in that world, you know. We don't live in the world. We live in a world where we decide to love our spouse. You know, our spouse is not really responding the way we hope for her or him to. And so we decide, okay, I'm going to give it a month. And I'm going to love them the way God wants me to love them for a month. And at the end of that month, if they don't respond the way I hope for them to, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to bail. I mean, I've heard that. Or, are we, or was, I heard people, you know, I'm going to read my Bible for a week or maybe for a few for a few days and then I'm going to try God and if it doesn't work right away I'm just going to give up on it you know we we try something for a few, a few days and it gets hard and we give up and we walk away because we don't want to wait 
See, Paul says the greatest problem of the person who flo- who, who sows from this bucket, what is their greatest problem? Deception. Being deceived to think that they won't, you know, there will, nothing will come out of this. It's negative. But Paul also says, but the, for the person who sows from this bucket, he says the greatest temptation for that person for the, who, who really loves God and who wants to sow from the bucket of the Spirit, the greatest problem for that person is getting weary and wanting to give up. That's what he's saying here in his word. You know, I've tried, you know, for the person who loves Jesus, and they say, I've heard this before, I've tried, I love Jesus, and I really want to get married. I'm single, I really want to get married. And I look around, and I see everybody else getting married, and they're doing it all the wrong way. They're shacking up, and they're rude and nasty to each other, and they still get married. What's my problem? I'm tired. Or, or, or I'm an honest person. I follow God and I'm an honest person at my job. But the guy who was dishonest at his job just got a promotion. Now he's my boss. I'm sick of it. It's not working. Or I'm a parent, you know, and I discipline my kids and I teach my kids and they're still midget demons. Comic relief in the middle of the message. Okay. Sometimes true. <laughs> and I've had enough. Or your wife and you say, you know, I, I, every day I encourage and respect my husband. But he's still not very respectable. You see, even when it is working, it can be exhausting. Because we see things happen in our culture that, that cause us to think because we don't see the instant gratification from it. But Paul says his solutions don't grow weary. Keep doing it. Because as Christians, we only, we only have a couple of options. Be deceived. Keep going out of this bucket. Or take the risk of becoming weary. But Paul says very clearly, he says, let us not become weary in doing good. Because he says, this is the promise from God. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we just don't give up. Now, when I was thinking about this and thinking about what God was trying to tell us through this word, I was thinking about this. God is telling us that if we trust him and keep going... What's going to happen is we will eventually be transformed because God is not so concerned about us. I've said this before about the things in life that just us feeling good. It's about us being transformed as a person into the likeness and image of Christ. And it's a process. And, And we may not see the end, but he says, keep going and trust me. And there will be a harvest somewhere at the proper time. But God says, I'm not going to tell you what the time is going to be because if that, if, if I told you what the time is, when the time is going to be, the harvest is going to be for each one of these things, then what it is, you would focus on the goal of getting to that time instead of just being with me. Because God wants us to be with Him in the journey. To trust Him. It's called faith. Do you understand the difference? 
Because if God gave us the, you know, yeah, on this day, you know, okay, okay, you know, on this day, this is going to happen. We focus totally on that date and when that's going to happen, on the process of getting us there instead of being with God along the way and just trusting Him. And He's saying, guys, hang in there. I'm giving you my spirit. He's going to help you to hang in there so that you can continually live out of this bucket. You know, God even doesn't even, I look through scripture and I don't see where God even promises in this lifetime that all the things that we plant, that we sow, are going to be harvested. I mean, some of us today are eating the fruit of things that were planted, seeds that were planted years ago, aren't we? We may not see the harvest in certain areas of our life, even in this lifetime. But the issue God is trying to say to us through Paul, as he's talking here, he's trying to say to us, hey, it's not about always seeing everything. It's just trusting God, that God says this is going to happen, and it's going to happen. The deception, I think, for most of us is to think that there's an alternative. There's some kind of plan B. There's something else that we can do. This is it. There is a cause and effect. We either sow from here, and it leads to death, or we sow from here, it leads to life. And we have no idea what the future holds. And so Paul says, you know, you don't know your options. So you can either do this. You can either sin, reap death, sow nothing, reap nothing, or trust God and keep going. That's your options. And I think in a sense, for the believer, there are no options then. The only option is that, is this what you want? No. Do not be deceived. And so he says this in verse 10. He says, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I wondered why he said that. Then I thought about it for a minute. You know, I don't have high expectations out of people. The people that disappoint me the most are not people who are non-believers. I don't really expect them to. I expect them to mess up, Right? But for those who are believers, when they let me down or when things happen in their life, the thing is, is that that really is, that's really hard. But also this, you know, the thing is, is as you're, as you're sowing from this bucket, you don't know what's going to happen years and years down the road. And if you're like that lady in Virginia that I first mentioned, who sowed seeds of discord and anger and no one wanted to be around her, Think about it down the road if she needs some other people in her life. You think anybody's going to be there? No. It'll be like the funeral I did one time. I've done, you know, bunches of funerals. But the funeral, the saddest funeral I ever did was one time I did a funeral. The funeral home director calls me and he says, hey. <laughs> he said, hey, would you do this funeral service? It's not going to be very big. Probably the smallest one you've ever done. I said, Okay. He said, this guy was just a guy that nobody liked in town. And, and, we, and, and his one friend, his one friend, asked to do a service. So I went to the graveside, and it was me, the funeral director, and one friend. And, man, the friend was pretty nasty himself. I kind of guess how they got along. But, you know, there was nobody there. Because the funeral director told me about the guy's life, and he was the kind of guy who sewed out of this basket his whole life. 
And when there was a need down the road, there was nobody there. And so one of the reasons Paul says this, he says, you know, as you have the opportunity, continue to do good. Even when you're tired, even when you want to give up, even when it doesn't, you don't see the results right away. So what are you going to do? You know, Paul says, I think clearly in Galatians, in the book of Galatians, and I've loved this book. It's been a great book to study. He says to us, he says to us, hey, we're in this battle between flesh and the spirit. But God's given us resources, the Holy Spirit, to live in our life. He's told us some stuff about that battle, about what goes on there. He's told us that, you know, there's cause and effect. He's told us all these things. He says, you know, one of the reasons last week we talked about, you know, encouraging and and, and helping each other along the way about confronting other people, about really loving people in a real way, is because we need people to get us when we're sowing from this bucket. We need people to help us get back on track. If we really love a person, we don't let them keep sowing from this bucket. We talked about last week. If you missed last week, go back and listen to the podcast. But the thing is, God is saying to us through this, he's teaching us so many things about living the Christian life. And I hope this has been a good study for you guys as we've gone through this and looked at what Paul had to say. And I thought it would be appropriate as we conclude this series this morning that what we would do is we take the Lord's Supper together. And so I'd ask our ushers that get ready for that just a moment here. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Ask our band. Uh, they're going to be coming on and out in a minute as well. But I thought about this and I thought about, you know, it wasn't even easy for Jesus Christ for him to constantly sow from this bucket. He did it. But you remember in the garden how weary he was in the garden of Gethsemane and how weary he was and how he said, you know, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it be so. But if it's your will, I don't know about you, but that wasn't exactly Jesus jumping up and down and going like, yeah, I want to do this. But he did it anyway. It was even tough for him. You know, so often we, we, we get this wealth and health and prosperity gospel nonsense. And it says, you know, if you follow Christ, everything's going to be wonderful. You're going to be rich and healthy and wealthy and wise and all the kind of stuff. But sometimes following God, it, it, it's, it's a struggle. But it's a struggle according to Scripture, that's worth it. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. A harvest based upon the principles that he says that comes from the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. And you can go through the whole list of things. It's where we want to be. I really believe that. But the only thing is, if we just try, try, try ourselves, and we don't have any power source in our life like the Holy Spirit, then what happens is that we will fail. And if we don't have accountability with other believers where we connect with them in a way that what will happen is and make ourselves accountable when we start to slip along the way and, and, you know, and just kind of not focusing on God. If we don't have somebody there to say, hey, you need to get back on track, we will fail. That's what Paul's been telling us. It's part of being part of the family of God and allowing all the resources of God's people, his word, and his spirit to work in our life in a real way to help us to stay here. This morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper, let us be mindful of the fact that as we partake of the elements, the bread and the juice, uh, the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ, broken for me and for you, so that we can live the life that he wants us to live, so that we can have not just eternal life with him, but have life of victory here upon this earth. 
As we partake of the cup, it reminds us of his shed blood. That's, those weren't easy things to do. But it was necessary for me and for you to be able to live life in the spirit instead of life in the flesh. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.